glad you're here this morning. It's always uh, just wonderful to get to be with church family. You know, this past week, we, I was watching some of the news. We saw Russian, Russian President Vladimir Putin reiterating his position that there would be no peace in Ukraine until Russia achieved its goals that it, is, it has set out. But he did it kind of in the same way as he's been saying all along that he's open to peace talks with, with Ukraine. I'm, I just wonder, like, what in the world does peace look like between Russia and Ukraine? We've also been watching the horrors of war play out in the, in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas these past two months, a little over two months. There have been no discussions of peace talks. There was a temporary ceasefire agreed upon there at the last uh, week of November, lasting a little bit over a week, allowed for hostages and prisoners to be swapped. And when that ceasefire ended, the war resumed, the loss of lives continues to rise. I just wonder, is peace possible in the Middle East? Is it possible? You know, the first peace treaty that the United States signed. It effectively um, ended the American Revolution and formally established the, the United States. Some say that it is one of the most consequential uh, peace treaties in world history. Hugely influential. Yet the Bible speaks of a peace that's not like a peace treaty, not like a ceasefire the ending of wars, it's much bigger than that. It goes beyond all of those things. It's a peace that the world has never experienced since the Garden of Eden. In fact, it could be described as Eden's restoration. It will be an unfathomable peace. And our passage today is going to show us the the wonders of God's love once again in establishing this unfathomable peace through the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. All this month, we've been looking at passages in the, in the prophetic book of Isaiah. We're going to do it all uh, the five Sundays of this month, looking at the prophet as he spoke about the coming of one who would make things all right, who would bring peace. The first Sunday, we saw his miraculous arrival, Jesus. A virgin would conceive and bear a son. That child would be, would be from the Holy Spirit and also from the womb of a virgin woman, fully God and at the same time fully man. And we needed both for salvation to have its way. Last Sunday, we saw his amazing name. He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. This amazing name revealed in Jesus, the one who is the, the giver of divine wisdom, of divine power, of divine care, and a divine restoration between us and God. This morning, we turn again to the to these wonders of God's love expressed in the birth of a child who, 
who this week comes from royal lineage. He will be a king just like the carols proclaim. Like the one we sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. So if you would turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. If you open up again right in the middle and go right, you'll find it right there. Isaiah chapter 11. If you've got one of those black Bibles, you can find it on page 575. Isaiah chapter 11. I want us to look at the first nine verses of this chapter. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Follow along as we read. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together and, the, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's or the viper's den. Then they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. All right, there's a lot here. I, I want to highlight just three things that I believe this passage brings to bear upon King Jesus. King Jesus. First, I want us to look at who the king is. Who is this king that this passage is speaking of? Now, Isaiah, the, the author, the prophet of this, of this book, he lived in Jerusalem and prophesied during the reign of, of four different kings in Judah. He was likely martyred by a fifth king named Manasseh, a very wicked king, and tradition has it, and you can read about it in, in Hebrews, is that he was likely sawn in two, martyred for for his testimony. The people of Judah had turned away from God. They were, they were offering meaningless sacrifices, meaningless worship there in, in the temple. They had turned aside God's word and just made a mockery of it. Injustice became rampant throughout the nation, and as a result, God was, was now bringing his judgment 
upon the people of Israel through the means of the Assyrians. These Assyrians would come and, and conquer Israel. They would come and cut them down like trees, just shear them down, leaving just little trunks down to trees. But our passage gives us hope. It's this hope-filled sign of mercy and great love here in chapter 11. Our passage says that there would come from this, a shoot from this stump of, of Jesse. Um, there was a, a tree out in our, just, just out in our, I don't know what you call it. As you go out, you have that beautiful rock. and you, There was a, a little tree um, planted there. And I think the freeze got it. But if you go out there, a shoots have come up out of that little whatever was left. You can see it out there. Um, and in the same way, you have this, even though the, the tree was cut down, out of this stump comes a shoot, hope. I want to just pause here just a, just a minute and remind you that the hope of God's mercy and love is just as real today as it was promised back in Isaiah's day. It's the same hope, the same hope. Friends, no matter how far you've turned from God, no matter how deep you think this, your sin is, God's mercy and love reaches farther and goes deeper. Isaiah was prophesying that one would come bringing forgiveness and restoration. Friends, that forgiveness and restoration is available to you and me today. Always. Always. Well, so, who is Jesse? I knew a song called, well, I don't even know what the song's called, but it's about Jesse's girl. I mean, that's the only, <laughs> but it is not that Jesse. I don't know a, a lot of Jesse's. But who in the world is Jesse? We don't know a lot about him. But you can go to the first chapter of Matthew and then the first book of the New Testament and you'll find Jesse's, Jesse's name there. Matthew takes us back to, to Abraham who, was, who, who bore a son named Isaac who had a son named Jacob. And then there are more sons. Jacob would bear a son, Judah, and then Perez and Hezron and Ram and Aminadad and Nantron and Salmon, Boaz and Obed. And Obed would bear a son and name him Jesse. So from Abraham, whom God made promises to, to build and or to make a great nation, from Abraham comes Jesse. Jesse would be the father of David, the king of Israel. And 28 more generations, as you read down through Matthew, you'll come to Mary and Joseph, who bore a son and named him Jesus. So Jesse has a son who has a son who has a son all the way down to Jesus. Jesus is from the lineage of Jesse, from the lineage of Abraham, from the lineage of King David. He has royal lineage. And I think it's interesting that our passage doesn't say that a shoot would come up from King David. It says it comes from Jesse. Why go back to Jesse? 
Well, I believe this points to the kind of king that Jesus would be. You see, Jesus' royalty would not be the typical earthly royalty filled with pomp and grandeur. Rather, Jesus' royalty would be one of humility and obscurity. It points to the birth of a king in the humble town of Bethlehem. Now, who even went to Bethlehem in those days? The humble town of Bethlehem. And not only that, but King Jesus would be born in a manger and placed in a feeding trough because they couldn't even get a place in an inn. There was no room. The people would not be his servants. No, Jesus would come to serve his people and to give up his life to open the doors of heaven for all who would believe and trust in him as their king. That's the kind of king that Jesus would be, a humble king. Not one sitting on, a, on, a, on an earthly throne with a crown. No, Jesus would wear a crown of thorns. See, the people needed more than a monarchy. They needed more than a land or a temple or a, a throne. There are those still waiting for that. They've missed the king. What they need, what you and I need, is God in the flesh. A child born in a manger. Jesus would come not to conquer enemy nations, but rather to conquer our greatest enemies, sin and, and death. And by his death and resurrection, he would crush the head of our greatest enemy, that serpent, and take his place on a throne not made with human hands. This is King Jesus, and from him would come the, the branch, the fruit of eternal life. Who is this king? Verse 2 says that he is one in whom the Spirit of the Lord rests. The Holy Spirit of God rests upon Jesus. Fully man, fully divine. Once again, we see it here in the passage. He will have divine wisdom and understanding. He will lead with divine insight and power, our passage says. Very similar to the names that we looked at last week. He is the wonderful counselor, divine wisdom and understanding. He is the mighty God, divine insight and power. Our king will have the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He is the king that is like none other. He is more than any earthly king. He is the heavenly king, the king of kings and Lord of lords. Friends, is he your king? Is this Jesus your king? Jesus came to Again, not to, not to be served, but to serve. And the scripture says to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came, he lived that perfect life. He went to a cross and bore the sin of the world. And for all who turn and trust in him, not this Jesus that died on a cross, but one who was later placed in a tomb and rose from the dead victorious over sin and death. And for anyone who would turn from sin and bow to that king, 
He gives the gift of eternal life. He gives everything that we sing about, everything that we do. He gives us everything that we, we see in Christmas. He is the light of the world. He, is, he rescues us from the darkness of our sin and brings us into his marvelous light. Is he your king? Friend, he can be. He can be today. Come to the king. Bow before him. Give him your life. And he will give you the greatest gift, the greatest undeserved gift, the gift of restored relationship with God. Joy, peace, unfathomable peace. Our passage not only shows us who the king is, but also shows us how the king reigns. How the king reigns. Verse 3 tells us that Jesus' reign as king will float out of fear and reverent awe of God. Bethany baked some cookies this uh, yesterday. They're these um, cheesecake gingerbread cookies. I mean, they were... I mean, they're, they're cooking, and the whole house was filled with the aroma. Can you almost, anybody like salivating a little bit? I mean, it just, it was just, it was just glorious. Then she brings one over there, and you're like, oh, man, you know, we, it's so good. That, that smell, and the, the word here in, is, is very like, very much like that. It's J- Jesus, Jesus. He's consumed with the sweet aroma of honoring God. He wants to please God. He wants to revere God. He would come at the will of God to do the will of God. What a king. What a savior. Verse 4 shows us that Jesus' reign would be concerned with the injustice done to the poor and the meek. He wouldn't look at the outward. He wouldn't look at what's just said. He, He looks at the inward heart. Jesus would minister to the vulnerable, to the poor and to the lowly. In fact, Jesus came to bring righteousness. When I say righteousness, that that means rightness, fairness, justice, righteousness. He came to bring righteousness to the oppressed, to set things right. His word would bring truth, truth to bear upon the wicked. He would bring his word to bear upon sin. His reign would be characterized and held together like a belt holds us together, holds my pants on. (laughs) He would, it holds everything together with pure righteousness and faithfulness. You know, when conquered and decimated by the Assyrians, these, just imagine being reminded of these words from Isaiah. And the hope that would be once again stirred in the hearts of the people of Israel. You know, under the Assyrians, they, they would become oppressed and poor and lowly. Then a faithful king would rise to set things right. But friends, we have to be, I think, cautious here. If you read a passage like this, we don't want to just read over it and and not see ourselves right in the middle of it. All those Israelites, yeah, they kind of deserved all that. They had turned from God. They deserved that. 
Well, Isaiah isn't just speaking about Israel's deliverance from Assyrian oppression. In fact, the Syrians would be conquered by the Babylonians, who would be conquered by the Persians, who would be conquered by the Greeks, who would be conquered by the Romans. All of these nations are just puppets in the hands of, a, of our God. But right there in the middle of all these empires, again, but there's one, King Jesus would, would reign not like these conquerors, not like on a little temporary basis until the, the next larger nation comes in and, and, and oppresses. No, he would come to set the spiritually oppressed free. Amen. What we must see here is that, in, that every one of us, every one of us are like those Israelite captives. We were spiritually oppressed. We are all poor. We are all needy. We are all destitute. We have no right, no access to come boldly into the kingdom of our king. We have no right to come in and bow before him without his permission. He is the great king. What do I even have to offer him? But that's why Jesus came. He came to meet me and to meet you in the middle of our spiritual oppression. As sinners, we need a Savior King. We don't have, a, we don't have one of those get-out-of-jail passes. You just don't have one. You don't, it's not your good works. It's not your good looks. We don't have anything to offer. But yet, that's exactly how we come to Him. When we come to him in our poverty, in our brokenness, in our need, he receives us. He restores us. When we trust in his faithfulness and righteousness, what does he do? He lifts us out of our spiritual oppression and into the freedom of a kingdom where he reigns forever. That's the kind of kingdom. That's the kind of reign that Jesus is going to have. Freedom, spiritual freedom. But what, is this, what does this kingdom look like? What does this king establish? Well, we see it described beginning there in verse 6. Predator and prey are, are now living together uh, harmoniously. Uh, the scripture says the, the wolf and the lamb, they're, they're hanging out together. This is not a... You've seen those, um, oh, what is it, National Geographic? You know, you got that deer, he's running through the field, the lion or the leopard is coming, and it's, and you're like, what? I don't know about you, I, there's something about seeing those. It's like, ah, and that lion goes and he takes down the, the prey. That ends. In, in this kingdom, prey and predator live together in their friends. The young goat's taking a nap while lying its head on the leopard. The calf and the lion are, are taking a walk together, and they're being led by a little child. Even young children need not be protected from the venomous snakes. Don't worry, parents, we do not have any snakes in the back. 
But one day, we will have no, no need to worry about that. We were in, you know, in Africa, and um, you, you see all these incredible animals, and we did get to see, I think we showed you some pictures of, of that lion up in, the, up in that tree. The guy, our guide drove us over there, but we, we were pretty close. I mean, you could see him up in the, in the tree. Now, we all stayed in the car, but on this day, on this day, in this kingdom, we would get out of the car and climb up that tree and give that lion a big old lion hug. Is that what you would call it? A bear hug? Give the lion a bear hug. Well, I guess so. Why not? And he would come down and you'd just, you'd just play together. I mean, can you imagine? You, 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 did you know that, uh, that hippopotamuses kill a lot of people in Africa every year? Man, we would like, like jump into the, into the Nile River and get on top of one of those hippos and just go for a joyride, you know? And we would uh, lay down in its mouth and like, hey, take a picture of this. And, I mean, imagine, that's what he's describing here. Now, is it, is it figurative? Is it real? I, I read some different commentaries about it. It's like, man, is this... Is this you know, are there, are there really all these kind of animals? Is, is it just like a, is he just giving us a picture of, of the contrast of prey? And, and you know that most of our commentators, they're like, no, I, we think there's a, there's, we, though we don't know for sure, there's, a, there's an aspect where it'll be like that. We'll be with the animals and it'll be, again, maybe like the Garden of Eden. All those animals are coming. Remember, they came, God had him name all of those animals. Adam, I need you to do something for me. Give all the animals names. Now, I don't know how long that took. That'd be easy. All right, dog, cat, you know, this uh, cow. But then all of a sudden, the, the lion comes and roars. Like, hey, lion. And he scratches back. He rolls over and he scratches his belly. That's Eden. And what, what the prophet is picturing here is a return a restoration of Eden. There is no fear, no enmity, no danger, no harm, no destruction, no death. You notice the animals are all eating straw. We're back to vegetarianism. <laughs> the curse of sin has has not only been reversed, it has been removed forever. And this unfathomable peace isn't just for Jerusalem or for the nation of Israel. This shoot of Jesse will become a massive tree that brings shade to the whole earth. All the nations and peoples, all the people groups that have submitted to the king will know God and they will be known by God. And as deep as the waters that cover the sea, so will the establishment of God's peace and restoration. You know, this peace isn't just an end to wars. This isn't just a little peace treaty that's signed. Maybe it is, but it has one party on it, and it's signed in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Jesus accomplished peace and we are the beneficiaries all who bow to this king 
are the beneficiaries of his kingdom. This is a supernatural peace. Again, established by King Jesus in which everything that's off in our world today will be made perfectly right. Friends, it, it truly is an unfathomable peace. Everything will be right. No more disease. No more struggles. No more medications. No more weirdness in, with relationships. No more politics. All, all the stuff is done with. We will experience life without pain, without struggle, without strife, without fear, without death. We will not know or even experience again grief, regret, loss, shame, or distress. We will be made whole and kept in perfect peace. You're like, well, Pastor, that sounds great. I mean, I can't wait for that day. I can't either. But it's, but it's more. The question, what does this, what's this mean for us today? Did Isaiah just give us this passage just so that we can look off into the future with, with hope? If that's all it was, I think that would be enough. But it's more than that. He does this unfathomable peace to shape our lives to, I believe, even shape our Christmas this year. I have a couple of applications for you I want you to take hold of. First, I, I, I would just encourage you not to go through the motions of Christmas. Amen. Don't go through the motions of Christmas. You know, it's a busy time of the year, but if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself in an autopilot, and it's just going to slip right by. You're going to miss the true wonder of God's love. Uh, I mean, here, here's how it can happen. I mean, you, we come and we sing the Christmas carols, right? We, we sing them, and sometimes we just, we don't even think about them. You just, you just sing them, and then we go on, right? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And then we keep on singing, and then we get done. Hey, what's the next carol? Dana, strike it up, brother. But in those words, if you just pause a minute and let it sink in, hark the herald angels sing. What did they sing? Glory to the newborn king. Jesus is king. Just stop for a minute in the song. Let it, let it marinate a little bit. This is not just some little figurine at Christmas time that sits on a shelf. This is King Jesus born, a child, yet a king. That's why the angels sang. That's why the skies broke open and myriad upon myriad of angels in bright adornment cry out, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Once enemies now brought together 
the lion and the lamb, the child and the viper, the, the wolf and the, what was the other? The lamb, they, they come together and us too, God and sinners, reconciled. Jesus is the king of kings who came to take rebellious sinners like you and me and to transform us into faithful followers. It's a peace that passes, surpasses all understanding. Somewhere in this next week, somewhere in these days ahead, just pause. Maybe you have to just get away Maybe open up a, a hymnal. Go online and look up. Hark the herald the angels sing and just bask in those words. Open up to this passage in Isaiah 11 and just bask in it. This is our king. So don't go through the motions. Guard it. Second, I want you to realize that his peace isn't just a isn't just a future reality. It's for today. If you go over a couple chapters in, in Isaiah chapter 26, he writes these words in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You have it up there. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, focused and fixed on you because he trusts in you. So trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Keep your mind on Him. Trust Him in your struggle and your trial. Trust Him in your loss. I know for some of you, this is your first Christmas, maybe without a loved one. I was thinking this week, we, you know, a couple weeks ago, we lost... Um, um, my, my uncle, my mom's sister's husband. And so this, and it just happened. And, and they'll, this will be their first Christmas without a husband and father and grandfather. They'll, they'll feel it. The loss, it's real. But this is where this passage, he will keep them, he will keep you and me in perfect peace, whose mind has stayed, is, whose mind is just wrapped up in in who Jesus is, who is this king, and who God is. Trust him. Trust him. Trust in the Lord forever because he is a rock. And one more thing. So don't, don't just go through the motions. Realize that peace is for today and trust him and lastly worship him worship him you know after Isaiah describes uh, the king in chapter 11 if you just go over to the next chapter you'll see that it's written in, in prose it's a, it's a little bit different it's, it's actually a, a, a song this Isaiah breaks out and he's, he, he calls them to to be filled with thanksgiving and testimony. He, he says, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to, to you, O Lord, for, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. 
Oh, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he, he has become my salvation. How beautiful is that? Coming off of, let me tell you about a king who's coming to, to rescue you from your oppression. Out of this stump is going to come a king, and he's going to reign, and he's going to, if you trust him, he'll bring you into this kingdom of everlasting peace. And then from that promise to just breaking out in this song, oh, God is my salvation. I will trust you. I will not be afraid, for you are my strength and song. You have become my salvation. And with joy, oh, God, you will draw water from the wells of salvation we will say in that day, once again, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the nations. Proclaim that his name is exalted. What is our response to Christmas? What is our response to a child born a king? It is to bow and worship. To open our mouths and to sing and did you catch that, the last verse there? Make known his deeds among the peoples. I mean, our kids sang about it. Go tell it on the mountain, over Barber Hill, Barber's Hill, and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. What? That Jesus Christ. Oh, goodness. Jesus Christ is born. Let's go and tell. Friend, this is, again, I'm a, I, I told you last week, if you invite somebody to church, there's an 82% chance, statistically, that they will say, sure, I'd love to. And I tell you what, we ha so next Sunday, Sunday morning, it's an abbreviated service. We're all going to be, it's going to be family style. All the everybody's in here. It'll be a little bit shorter service. We'll have some stuff for the kids. And so, but we're all just, we're going to sing together. Um, I won't, I won't preach quite as long. I'm going to bring it in a little bit, and it, we're just going to focus on Jesus. But then Sunday night, we're going to come and do exactly what this passage tells us to do. We're going to give thanks to We're going to sing carols. I'm going to share a short devo. Why not go grab one of these packets? It says Christmas, Christmas Eve candlelight service. We're going to do candles. Go and invite somebody. It's a beautiful time just to invite them. There's, we're just going to meet Jesus together. I close, let me just want to bring you to a passage out of Colossians chapter 3. Paul's writing to the Colossian believers and he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Be thankful. Well, Father, thank you for the gift of your son, the one who brings peace, an unfathomable peace, the one who will come and set everything right, the one who will come and restore Eden, the one who will come and, and who has already, for those of us who have bowed before this king, has brought us into right relationship with God through his faithfulness. Oh, oh God, would the peace of Christ rule in our hearts to which indeed we are called as one body. And oh, Father, help us to be thankful.
In Jesus' name.